Welcome to the Digital Families Podcast. I'm Leonie Smith, sometimes known as the Cyber Safety Lady. I'm a cyber safety educator and this podcast is all about learning how to use the digital technology in our homes with more safety and balance. My guest today is Australia's queen of common sense parenting and host of the ABC podcast, Parental as Anything, Maggie Dent. Maggie is the author of seven major books, including the best-selling 2018 release, Mothering Our Boys, and her 2020 release, From Boys to Men. Maggie is a dedicated advocate to quietly changing lives in our families and communities. She's the mother of four sons and a very grateful grandmother. Maggie, welcome to the Digital Families podcast. Hey, thanks for inviting me along, Leonie. Really excited to chat. Well, Maggie, you've got a new book out, as I mentioned, From Boys to Men, which is a broad range, isn't it? You've written many books about parenting and especially parenting boys. Why did you decide to write another book on this subject? Oh, look, Leonie, it was so funny. I really thought that the reason I was on this earth because I was part, I'm a bit of a tomboy myself, so kind of I've always played with boys and understood boys and mm. teaching them I got them and counselling I got them and then I delivered four on the planet. I thought, that's it, I just have to write a book about mothering boys. It's my, And at the end of the book, I had to make an apology. Firstly, it was a big book and we know today's parents are really busy. But the second one was I just didn't have enough time to cover as much depth um, on that bridge to manhood, that transformation from a boy into a man. And um, I was chased by um, an, a, a publisher who said, you haven't finished. And I thought, oh, and I'm so glad she did because this is the trickiest window. We can raise awesome boys and somehow or other lose them on this bridge. And um, that's why I really, and it is, again, I had to apologise, another big book. Um, but how timely has it become with, um, you know, mm. what is happening in, 2021 around Australia where those questions are coming up around how are we raising our boys to be respectful yeah. um, decent human beings um, and that's that's kind of how it all happened and I've got a copy here of the book as you say <laughs> it's the doorstop big. book you yeah, can but see it does my little bookmark in there where I'm where <laughs> where I'm up to having index <laughs> I have index. three boys and um, one of them is a stepson and a stepdaughter and so I, th I very much am a mum of boys. And uh, funnily enough, when I started out, most of my girlfriends had girls. And so I was always trying to explain yes. behaviour to other mums of girls who were like, oh, my God, what's wrong with your boys? And I'm like, they're boys. And my stepdaughter has now had her second boy. So she is now a mother of boys as well. So all through our family. Um, a lot of boys, and of course, they're all very, very different. Um, what did you need? What did you find needed to be updating if there was anything f um, with this new book from previous books you have written on parenting boys? Oh, well, uh, you know, parenting adolescents um, and just the stress levels of today's world. My first book was called Saving Our Children from Our Chaotic World, and it was before, mm. <laughs> it was before the digital world arrived. What was I thinking? Um, yeah. And I think the, the changing dynamic is that the parents today, Leonie, um, were not raised um, with screens or yeah. smartphones or access to 24-7 whatever. And so it can be difficult for us to navigate how are these ones, how are our boys and our girls growing through this incredibly transformative time of their lives um, with um, an underdeveloped brain, with highly impulsive emotions, 
um, with no GABA, which is the um, inhibitor to impulses, with a need to be excited and entertained, and then we hand them this world that ticks all those boxes so that they don't need humans. So what we've now got, and I did a big survey for this book, Leonie, where I questioned, uh, I think about 2,000, no, almost 2,000 men over 30 and 900 boys, mm -hmm. and I was able to plot the difference, um, and there's been a 20% drop in outside activity for boys. Yeah. Uh, um, there's been around an 18% drop in sporting uptakes and things like fishing. So we know that it's a. this is only in this last window where we're now finding boys are spending more time inside less time out there using their physicality and their muscles um, to e experience natural consequences when they make those poor choices. And what we're sadly hearing, and I'm sure you're hearing it as well, we're getting more and more of our boys who just don't want to come out of that bedroom at night. Uh, just, I just take my dinner to my room. So they're separating. And what we're finding is an increase in social anxiety with our boys um, and definitely the challenge that we now have around um, how do I create safe, intimate relationships? In other words, I'm worried that they're going to be struggling even more to create healthy relationships as they move into their 20s and 30s. Yeah, and it's changed quite a lot, Maggie. I can remember when my boys, my bi biological boys were young, that some of the, of the group in my mother's group really overscheduled their children. They had activities all the time. And I was brought up by parents who basically said, you're under my feet, get out, find something to do, and we just spend all that time in the bush, which which is, you know, I lived in bushland basically, yeah. which is how our generation were kind of brought up It's in, yeah. in that sort of generation. And I made a conscious decision to only do one thing a week, whether it was scouts, which is outdoorsy or a sport, which was soccer. And what I can see now from between that time, which is in the sort of 90s era and 2000s, is there's even more scheduling going on. And then we've got screens on top of that, Maggie, as well. So I can, I'm hearing what you're saying is there's no, free, there's no so free we, time, is there? When we steal boyhood. Yeah. So there's a, you know, we do know that there's all sorts of reasons that we won't have to go into, but we can tell you why boys have a higher need for physicality. Um, yeah. They have, you know, there's testosterone flowing around, vasopressin, but we've got this muscle. But that, that that's what they're wired to do biologically. So yeah. when we contain them mm. or we overschedule them, we are controlling. So what also happens is it creates that sense of um, um, angst and frustration towards people mm -hmm. who want to control us. So we all like some freedom, but there is this incredible, and, and I think they've done research on the, um, the distance that we used to accept for boys to roam. They could yeah. get on a bike and literally yeah. ride um, 10 to 20 kilometres and go fishing and nobody blinked, blinked an eyelid. And now we're lucky if we let them go down the street. So what we've done is, is we kind of push back on biological needs as well as mm -hmm. the other things, but it's the autonomy. And this is what comes up later. If we keep telling boys what they have to do, and, of course, we're also marinating them in a culture that keeps thinking, there's an inevitability to poor boy behaviour, that there's supposed to be some form oh, of toughness, yeah. that mm. they're not sensitive. So what mm. we do is crush the tender heart, we make them angry within and we wonder why later on they can disengage in our school environments where they're getting told what to do again and getting contained. So it's a, it's a challenging world, but I think, um, and I had, you know, my four boys were, um, I recognised quite early that four walls weren't really good for them, same as you. Um, so when they got to high school, I encouraged them to take activities and things that weren't 
more sitting. And they did everything from, you know, fishing to, you know, surfing to bike riding to jewellery making, cooking, metal, anything that Mm. meant I'm not sitting in one seat for Mm. 40 to 50 minutes at a time, expected Mm -hmm. to stay there and stay focused on a task. So it, it, they kind of thought it was pretty slack of me, mm. but in actual fact it helped to keep them a bit more engaged because they were having good breaks. And we keep shortening recess time, we keep shortening lunch time, we punish boys and take their recess and lunch off them, which is when they be making dopamine, which makes them learn better. So like I said, we've got the information, the research, it's not necessarily filtering down into it. And we have different discipline um, policies for boys and girls for the same misdemeanours. So, I mean... I, I'm batting for boys here. We need to even out the, the playing field. And why do you think all of that's happening, Maggie? And, I mean, it, it, I've seen a, a huge change in my parenting lifetime, which is, you know, now 20 years as well. I think the first thing we did is we've decided, and this isn't coming from within education, it's coming from policymakers, that to make our kids smarter for the economy, we'll push formalised learning down earlier thinking that it just Mm -hmm. will be one size fits all. And what we do know is that boys can take longer um, to be ready. We know their fine motor skills are not terribly good and that's why they often wee on the floor. Um, (laughs) That that their ability to... uh, Don't they ever grow out of that, Maggie? Oh, I'm hoping, ever hoping. But also we know that they're because in the very... And this is just a really fascinating fact that we really all need to remember is that in the very first 12 weeks of um, a little bubby's gestation as a fetus, if it's, we all start as girls and to be turned into a boy, you get marinated with testosterone, which slows the brain development down and all sorts of things down, which means that baby girls and baby boys are not born as fully developed. And their, their corpus callosum across the top allows them to process language much more, more easily than boys. So at the end of the day, we've got to stop one size fits all that gender isn't just a social construct. There's no question we definitely have a big part to play in that. Mm. However, when a boy, we actually know they will be later to develop words. That doesn't mean to say he's he's thick. And so little boys who can watch a girl colour within the lines neatly or glue 12 legs on a caterpillar beautifully and he's done three, he then sees himself as less than. And then the second thing is that there's so much shaming around our little boys when they do things wrong. That, that instead of the, the choice being wrong, they are made to be wrong and that, that increases. They, we don't shame little girls anywhere near as much. We're still putting boys' names in red on the blackboard, mm. which a boy knows is shame. And if it's still there the next day because the teacher mm. hasn't, well, you've just ruined his second day. So I think it's the honouring, as we talk about gender, that our girls are tougher. They're not weak. They don't need us to treat them any weaker. And our boys are actually not tough and are equally as sensitive at times around life experiences, especially in terms of relationships. So we've got some big changes, Leonie, that will impact how our boys turn up in those adolescent years. And in your book, Maggie, you write about boys and screens and about gaming. Um, And, of course, that's very much, you know, my area of interest, Um, much more so than girls. And I see that in my work that it's mainly parents complaining about their boys on screens and gaming and how they, you know, they're trying to manage that. How should parents be helping boys have a healthy relationship with the digital technology and and why is it particularly boys? Ah, look, it's such a good question. So what would happen if you were a boy emerging in your tween years and all this testosterone is coming around? 
what would happen if we were in the African savannas or something is that you would then go with the boy, the men. So you would be out there practicing your killing strategies, your rounding up things, because you've got to kill the mammoth that's going to kill everyone else, or you're going to kill the deer for dinner. So those things are wired into them. So hunting and, and, and peak experiences, but they often did it in packs. So that's a thing. I want a conquest. So where that comes from is boys and men are more wired to look at an external sense of achievement or an experience with which I judge myself. Mm-hmm. So that's why a boy who's struggling with his literacy will hate school, won't want to go. Why do I want to go? Never going to pass that, so I'll avoid that. Um, but if we had a monkey bar that was really long and he could conquer that, he would go to school because guess what? He's got credibility on the monkey bar. Mm-hmm. Got it? So if they've got nowhere they can succeed, they don't mm. want to go there. Mm. And so guess where they do succeed? They mm. succeed in gaming because there's a, a, there's a biological wiring of a lot of it is very much about winning but also working together sometimes. So it's actually just modelling what the real mm. world delivered before. The next thing is boys are hunting for dopamine all the time. They just want to feel good because everyone who treats them, they're always getting it wrong. They're always in trouble. What have I done wrong now? So gaming gives them this great juice mm-hmm. and they get the autonomy that we've taken away by scheduling their childhood and not letting them have freedom. It's the mm. perfect world for all of the needs for many of our boys. And I um, I created it. I had a mum come up to one day who was sort of a 14-year-old son and said, Maggie, how do I know? if this is wrong, because I actually am not anti-gaming. I actually think we've got to look at how we can weave this into their lives so that they can use it in a healthy way. And I know that there's some amazingly creative stuff happening out there on Minecraft, an amazing stuff that mm. is actually helping them expand the way they can be creative. So it's not all about... Mm. And working in teams as well. Working in teams. And yeah. some boys, particularly during last year, those boys with... Um, either social anxiety or maybe our neurodivergent boys were developing friendships online, which was safer for them, that they Mm, were able to transfer. So can you see? And so I went through these things and said, look, okay, so you need to sit down with your son and work out these agreements and boundaries and and let him see if he can manage them. And that's, you know, he's got to turn up and do his chores. He's got to be able to maintain his school Mm. grades and we keep tabs on that. He's not allowed to use too much Wi-Fi. He's not allowed to buy stuff that whatever. He's not allowed to access pornography. His behaviour while he's online needs to be okay. Now, it's not yeah. going to be perfect, but when the when it gets into obscene language and we also take it to school the next day, that's crossing what I call crossing the line. Mm. Um, he's got to be at mealtimes. He's got to do his chores. He's got to get some physical activity. Um, he's got to engage in friendships outside. All of those things are a balanced, healthy way. And I find that when you work collaboratively with your, particularly your teen boy, um, you've got a much better chance of creating what we, what you yeah. aim to, and that's a common sense balance so that they're, they're able to grow and develop in all levels and not just become that white-haired boy who hasn't eaten um, and is not going to get off that uh, screen for anything. Yeah, they have to have a buy-in. They have to have ownership of it um, because otherwise it's just a decree that's come come yeah. down from high and they don't. They need to. In fact, what I suggest to parents and tell me if I'm on the right track here, Matt, um, Maggie, is to get, almost do it in such a clever way that the boys think they're making their own boundaries and their own Absolutely. rules Absolutely. by showing them, giving them, basically asking them what the consequences might be if they don't achieve yeah. do other other things. And I know from the gaming industry, Maggie, that and it's been a long time coming that they targeted those games to boys. They did. So they they eliminated they girls out under under five. Yeah. They're targeting rewarding. 
So that they Reporting and getting rid of women except yes. for the representing women as some kind of a trophy that they won, right? So it's taken a long time for the gaming industry to embrace girls gaming yes. and making it a lot more balanced. If a, if a parent does um, is really struggling with that screen time, and I know sometimes with boys they get very excited after they've been gaming for a while. Their behaviour, as you said before, can can really get quite aggro and um, in some cases it can turn almost into a domestic yeah. violence situation. What advice do you give to parents in that case? Okay, so this is a really big one because that escalation, so what we do know in the teen years, particularly sort of um, 12 to 15, is that the limbic brain grows and that therefore the intensity of emotions is much more. So the intensity of winning is over the top. The intensity mm. of losing is over the top. So I think we have to have conversations with our boys well before the hot moment about the fact that sometimes this is going to happen. If that happens, then, you know, rather than that escalation becoming something we bring out into the home environment is that um, we will talk about what they might have done before they played. So have they been physically active and discharged some excess cortisol from school? Have they eaten some decent food that keeps the brain a little bit more even? Um, mm -hmm. And also we want to make sure that your behaviour doesn't impact your friendship. Now, this is one of the things I want parents to really take on board is that when we, we're trying to teach our teens, and it's girls and boys, about certain things um, that aren't okay, they, they've got this built-in mechanism to turn off their ears as soon as it sounds like a lecture. However, oh, if you know. bring it up and say something like, I wonder if any of your friends are struggling with this sort of behaviour. Yes. You know, mm. I wonder if they're caught. So as soon as it's your friends, they start mm. watching out for their friends. And I think mm. calling them on board to watch out for harmful behaviour that might impact their friends makes them much more mindful to mm. be watching out for, my, for the stuff that's a bit dodgy. Whereas if you say, I want you to keep yourself safe, they're not interested in their own selves. And then the second thing is I love it when particularly mums play dumb, but dads can play dumb too. And you can bring your phone out and say, look, I'm just on this um, this particular app here at the moment, this TikToky one. What does this, this here, this setting here mean? Is that okay for me to have that open? And they go, no, 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 no way. That's when people can come and what does that mean? So you, if you play really dumb, mm, mm. you can get a sense of them being our protector and defender, which is also them being more mindful for themselves. So, it's, I call it manipulation with love. Yeah. But it's respecting their autonomy and their growing growth of knowledge. And yes. can we just, how else can we know if that's okay? And those yeah. sorts of things really keeps it, we have to keep our relationship okay. And that's what, that's what happens when um, we don't have some form of intervention or constant conversations with them where we yeah. let things get big. Because by then, if you just turn the Wi-Fi off, and I have had a mum tell me that they did that because he just wasn't respecting any of the boundaries. Um, the boy just went out to the garage and got an, she locked the office. He got an axe and chopped the door down. He was 14 and he was this mild, meek, beautiful boy. Whoa. But in this wound up massive state, yes. they are not rational and it can get violent, which oh, is I know. why we yeah. really have to have like many conversations with them. And I also sometimes think um, that the you know the boundary that says there's we're all off our phones we're all off our everything by a certain time at night is one that we need so they have to be able to get their homework done and let their friends know they're able to do whatever they're going to do till 9 30 and then oh I've got these terrible parents that don't let me 
And you know what? The other kids will work around that because they want to play with their friends, right? And sometimes it can shift a boundary for other kids as well. So yeah. if it's a collective boy tribe where you who got all your boy mate friends, have that conversation with the parents saying, this is what I'm trying to do so I can get in to get sleep. Yes. Sleep is the biggest thing, as you know, for well-being and adolescence on all levels. Um, and if without that, they're not going to do well at school and they're not going to perform well anywhere and they're not going to be very pleasant to live with. So mm. let's make that the boundary. But also grown-ups are now identifying, heck, I can't get off my phone. You know, I'm struggling with this world too. Oh, absolutely. And and whilst, you know, grown-ups don't need to have the same boundaries as children, no. um, yes, they, they may be modelling behaviour that the kids are picking up on there. Um, another really important question I, and, and discussion I wanted to have with you before we, we wind up, Maggie, was about this issue of consent. And also, I'm really curious to find out what your thoughts are about the mass exposure to porn that young boys are being subjected to and how you think that might be contributing not to consent as much, but their behaviour um, and about sort of recreating what they're seeing on these screens. Yeah. Look, I, you know, how timely was my book? I'm, you know, as mm. if I knew this was going to be what it is this year. Now, I've worked really um, a long time in counselling with boys who've made poor choices around um, what they've done with girls, and that was well before porn became such a big thing. So what we now know is they're highly impressionable in this, in this window, and it's not if your son will find it or when, it's, you know, if it's, it's going to happen, average age of yes. 11, but we actually know it's a fascination and also they do get aroused by watching it. So, you know, basically that is what it's designed for. So when they are constantly witnessing um, that behaviour, which is very demeaning of, of women and females, um, and also very much about control, so mm-hmm. power and control is what sexual assault's about, very mm. rarely about the sex. So mm. we're actually encouraging the patriarchal kind of old system that says women were nothing and men are everything. And we were moving in a great direction. We really were. We've got dads who are hand-on, hands-on, tender-hearted fathers now doing equal jobs. We were moving in a direction that was fabulous. And then this is almost stealing this generation of boys. Now, my challenge is what can you do? So, and it's really interesting because when I, my boys were in this window, there wasn't really, they weren't really online. And I remember um, one of the boys said to me, so, Mum, I know this is really weird. But, um, you know, sex and stuff, um, I've got no idea. And I said, oh, look, no, it's whatever it is, both of you need to be enjoying it. It Mm -hmm. really is meant to be kind of a bit fumbly and funny when you're only young and that's okay. If anyone says no, it's out. You must always respect each other afterwards and treat each other okay. And if it's not on, it's not on. So in the end of the day, I'd started that conversation. But what I'm finding now is parents, um, you know, when they think they need to have one conversation, no, we have to have so many conversations with our boys along the, no, it's not okay to jump on someone without checking if they want to be jumped on. So the consent starts a lot earlier. Mm. And also it's my three rules I have for boys. It needs to be on the fridge. Try not to hurt yourself. Try not to hurt anyone else and try not to damage the world around you because you'll make poor choices. Yeah, You're not bad, but it's about looking at your choices. So I'm mm. finding um in the book, I talked about a couple of different sites. So if a boy is all he's seen is that, that's his inner video. And, and we know that the choking and the, and, and the slapping and that sort of forcing stuff, he's mm. only seen that. So he hasn't seen the opposite. 
And mm-hmm. I write in the book about a few movies that have got tender-hearted adolescent, um, you know, intimacy early on. And I think we've got to move right away into some of the um, Nordic countries that actually have, um, you know, lots more naked teenagers talking about bodies and breasts and things so that we can actually, because they're not going to read a book. These so are, you, are gonna... you saying, Maggie, that we should get David Hamilton back uh, and, <laughs> and subject our, our teens to... How can we replace I, I wonder how many people listening to this actually know who David Hamilton is. But <laughs> so even in um, lovemaking scenes in movies, when yeah. you know, if they're watching anything, do we watch anything together anymore? I used to notice my voice. I can't do that with my voice. They come in every time they come into the room, and yeah. and my husband and I are watching Netflix. They'll inevitably walk in, walk yeah, in on a love scene, movie. and my son will say, "Oh my god, parents are watching porn again." I'm like, it's "Not porn." Yes, and that's when I need to. We need to grab them right there and go. Do you notice? Is this okay? Are they both yeah. enjoy? I absolutely. We have to be able to correct that video. Now, the biggest thing is that there is a difference between what I'm witnessing out there at the moment. And it's kind of like um, I and after all of the, um, you know, you know, disclosures of girls. Yes. There were really what I call nice boys who actually didn't realise. Didn't realise that this was not okay. that this is that's what they thought was the expectation. And Mm. there are girls who have admitted they Mm. thought because that's all they've seen, too. So that was a really sad one because we've got now got a lot of boys feeling really bad. We've got the very small minority. I absolutely am determined, even though we're hearing a lot about them, it's yeah. like the bad men in our world. They're a small percentage. They're not all men. And that yes. is that um, they actually know what they're doing is wrong. They're deliberately trying to get a girl drunk so they can rape it. Look, there are some that are up that end. Then we've got the boys who are gaming and staying in their bedrooms because they're terrified that if they go out with their friends, they're going to be coaxed into it, coerced oh, yeah. into it, not, you know, the whole, the whole ah, uh, you're not really a man stuff. So they're just avoiding it altogether. And mm-hmm. then we do have a percentage who are very aware about what's the right thing to do, who have conversations, who will not um, cross those lines. So can you see we've got a merging of four different. And yeah, I think block. it's very complex. I don't think it's yes, as simple as just getting... Um, you know, the whole debate about we need more education on consent from right from the beginning, I kept saying, I don't think it's that simple because yeah. I think a lot of um, boys absolutely understand consent. Yes. I think they are they are ignoring consent because for whatever other reasons. So and they- I think I wrote a really big blog about the fact that we just can't throw schools under the bus saying it's your job. Oh, your job absolutely. Is to fix it. But yeah. it's 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 a multifaceted thing because there's many 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 layers to it. Yeah, and also we do have to step forward as parents. We absolutely have to be part of it. But also, if they're not able to listen to us, which is pretty normal for teens, not wanting to listen to whatever mum or dad got to say, it is the lighthouse figures in our lives, and we have to step forward now as aunts and uncles and coaches and teachers and have quiet chats with boys. Did you see that? thing the other day on the mm. news that's really not and quiet chat so they don't feel because I am sensing they're starting to feel like we're just the worst gender we're all bad you know the world thinks we're bad and, and people are very quick to malign our boys so you can you see we really have to step beside them going what we want you to grow into one day is mm. a happy healthy man capable of a loving intimate relationship because it's the biological need of every single human you know, and porn between consenting adults who are enjoying it is one thing, but this mm. 
This is not the way to get that sense of intimacy. So intimacy is about us having conversations. We're not doing that now. It's yeah. about spending time. It's about having conversations around meals. It's about actual physical time spent in the company of other kids. So we're also finding more social anxiety today as teens because they're spending so much time, girls and boys, you know, very wary of ordering a coffee, you know, because they're not, they're not doing it as much. So, again, we've got to get some real life skills back into all of our teens so that they have that. You know, I've got a, um, a free poster on my website called Life Skills for Teens, what you need when you're 18 when you leave home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it's just exactly that. Let's go through the checklist because the more you've got, not only the better you're going to survive and be resilient, but you actually feel more confident within yourself. And that's what we want. We want them to feel confident within themselves, don't we? And capacity, we don't want them endlessly making mistakes or not having a clue what you do. And I think that's where, that's where we're heading yeah, and I think in the meantime, it's a tsunami of of negative stuff that they're seeing online. Yeah. And as much as parents can try and block it, um, it's almost impossible. And well, it's it also impossible not just to do that. Time. And so the only thing we can do is what you're saying, which yeah. is to have the the mentorship for boys, because often they're not, as you said, they're not listening to us. They need maybe an, another person, yeah. like a teacher or someone, um, that can help guide them. Until we get to a point where at least yeah. the technology companies have to and are forced to do something to stop this, this, yeah. you know, primary school kids seeing this stuff. Yeah. I call it the boy tribe. Yeah. You're kind of like, and one of the things I'm sure you have noticed as well, Leonie, is that growing boys, even my boys now as men, um, if they're in the company of someone who knew them when they were little boys, they're so different. They're oh, softer. Yeah. They, they, they just, there's this sensitivity of feeling like these people knew me when I was little. So tribes yeah, yeah. really matter and they need somewhere safe to go when the things go wrong, if it's too big for them to be able to take it home to their parents. It's one of those big challenges that, um, you know, one of the things underneath some, um, you know, self-harm incidences were boys saying, look, I, I failed my uni course and I didn't want to go home and see that look of disappointment on my mum's mm. face. We need to let them know there's nothing too big that we won't be able to love you. We've, we've got your back. We can be disappointed for a time, but our love for you is bigger than that and that we are your safe base um, mm. no matter what happens in this world because we want to raise you to be, and it's that message all the time, I want to raise you to be a happy, healthy man. We've got to keep telling them that so that there's a target in place for them instead of them seeing everything out there that's the opposite at the moment. Mm. Sounds like it sounds like a battle, doesn't it? But they, <laughs> we're in it, and we're all we're, doing a good. We've got to step forward, as I said. It's the rails on the bridge. Yeah, we took the rails off the bridge. The digital world is parenting our kids, particularly our boys, mm. and we have to put them back on and let them know that they matter, um, and we're part of shaping them to be the man they want to be. Yeah, I love our boys, <laughs> and I love teaching boys as well. Maggie, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you Such so interesting. Um, interesting uh, points of view that you've brought forward. Um, where can pe- people find out more about your book, From Boys to Men? Oh, look, it's, it's just the Google, as my boys say nowadays, just the Google. Um, just the Google. Just the Google. And also and Maggie's know, website. There's lots of free articles and free videos that I've done as well, Leonie, because I wanted to make sure that the information is accessible to people who haven't got that amount of money or haven't got that time. Um, and I am telling uh, lots of parents telling me they're loving the audio versions of stuff, which is great. So I do read both of my books. 
Fantastic. Yeah, and there's so many resources on your website as well, which is on the, the link um, of this podcast in the description or on the webpage, whatever you what wherever yep. you're watching this. Thank you so much for being on Digital Families this week. Keep Maggie is Oh, thank you. And I don't have to say that to you. You're just a powerhouse. <laughs> um, I'm going to sign off now. Um, if any of these issues uh, raised any concerns, um, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 46 And I have to say that the Kids Helpline also have a parent line, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and did you know that Kids Helpline also help kids 25 and under? So it's not just for little kids, it's also for young men. Um, and you can contact them through their website or on 1300 1352. Thanks for listening to the Digital Families podcast. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review or some feedback on the YouTube channel or your favourite podcast app. I'd love to hear what you think. Maybe you've got a suggestion for a potential guest in the future. I've got some great guests coming up. Um, four book just in the next couple of weeks. So tune in again next week for our next chat about all things digital and how it affects families. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.